This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. So you ready to get in the Word? Two of you, that's awesome. Super encouraging. Let's try it again. You ready for the Word? Good, good. Um, I, I grew up on a, listening to a, a Pentecostal preacher that would say the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. And uh, I think the Bible backs that up when it says that the eyes of the Lord are scanning the earth to and fro, showing, looking for whom he may show himself strong on their behalf. So when you come to God with expectation in your heart, I think God meets you at the level of your expectation. So, so I would say it this way, and um, uh, I don't want to offend anybody, I'm only two minutes in. But if you ever come to church and leave and go, oh, that wasn't that great, it wasn't, it wasn't the preacher's fault. It wasn't the worship leader's fault. Now, if they're bad, find a new church. But it ain't true here. Are y'all following me? It could be your expectations fault. It could be that you came not expecting anything. And if you expect nothing, you'll get nothing. If you expect a lot, you'll get a lot, all right? And uh, so I want to I preach to you around this topic, when the church prays. When the church prays. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it'll be on the screen for you. It says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I want to read that one more time, and this is the text we're going to work from tonight. So Peter was kept in prison. I'm going to give you context for all that. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Let's pray together. Father, we open our hearts and minds. We want to hear from you, so we ask you to speak to us. We haven't come on a weeknight to check a religious box. We've come that we would hear from heaven. And so, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We open up our heart, our mind, and we say, speak to us, and may we never be the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thanks, bud. So uh, I was thinking about uh, middle school the other day. And uh, some of you are like, why would you ever think about middle school again? That's a rough period, y'all. Sixth through eighth grade, going through it now twice with two kids and once by myself. Like, that's a rough period. And uh, I grew up in Upper East Tennessee, so Kingsport, Tennessee, right where Tennessee and Virginia meet. And uh, it's, it's where the men are men and so are the women. And it's, it's uh it's a tough place, y'all. Like, you know, you, you just, you try to find a girl to bring home that doesn't dip skull. And if you find that, it's like, she may be the one. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're from Tennessee, God bless you. I'm joking. Sort of. So, so I went to Linview Middle School in Kingsport, Tennessee. It's this little middle school. And, um, and football is a big, big deal. I don't know how it is in Florida. Um, but football, high school football and middle school football is a big deal. Because it's all there is to do in the town. There's nothing else to do but go see a football game. And so, like, I'm talking a big deal. Like, our rival high school had regular attendance of ten to 15,000 at their high school game. Like, it's a big deal in high school. And so, um, middle school football is a big deal because it's the feeder in. And so, we would have high school or middle school football games. It was usually on Thursday night because high school was Friday and they never competed with high school. And so, we'd have Thursday night. And then after that, we always had a dance. I don't know why. It's just what they did. It, it was always a dance afterwards. And I grew up in a a real traditional kind of conservative Baptist home. And so, I didn't get to go to the dance a whole lot um, because dancing led the you know, it was pretty much from there to premarital sex and 
from there to hell. And so it was like, I wasn't really, it's okay. So I wasn't, I couldn't go to them. But they really weren't dances. They were more like standoffs. Are y'all following me? It's like all the guys on one wall and all the girls on another wall and music playing. That was pretty much it. So it really wasn't a dance. It was more like a standoff where you stood and stared. Well, one, one, at one point, and then you always had a few of the uh, um, interesting people in your school that were in the middle of the dance floor. Y'all following me? God bless them. They're interesting. Are y'all, everybody with me so far? And so that's what you had out in the middle. And so I remember one time that I, I finally got the courage up and there was a girl that I was interested in and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna go ask, I'm going to do it. I was, here I go. And I, I made the walk that seemed like a mile, right, over to the other wall. And I made the request and because and a slow song come on because your boy can't dance at all. Like, I am white to the bone when it comes to dancing, not on preaching, but when it comes to dancing. Are y'all following me? Like, I'm hitch. I'm like, stay right here, bro. Stay right here. And so that's it. That's all I got. Or like, just rock. That's, I can do that. Are y'all following me? So I went over and made the ask and, and I, got, I got a no, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate that. And so I've made this long walk back to the guy wall. You know what I'm saying? Head down, major setback. Are y'all following me? Major setback for a middle school kid because everybody sees him like go over. Everybody sees him come back. Are y'all with me? Like major setback in my life. And I, here's what I want you to know is the text we just read, the church, the early church is in a major setback. Isn't it amazing in life how so many things can be going right, but like the one thing that not, is not going right overshadows everything that's going right? Anybody ever felt that way? Like you got all these things that are going for you, but the one thing that is not, the, the one thing that the year didn't start out so great isn't going for you. And it's like one major setback overshadows all the other setbacks. And this is where the church is. They're having some amazing advancements. They're also having a major setback at the same time. And so I want to give you some context. So let's go to Sunday school for a minute. Everybody with me? Say amen. So what is happening in verses one through four of Acts chapter 12 is we just find out that James has been killed. Are y'all tracking? Say amen. James, this is not James the brother of Jesus. This is James the brother of John. James and John, who were disciples of Jesus. They're leaders in the New Testament church in that early setting. And, and James has just been killed by Herod. Now, I want you to understand that Herod is not the Herod um, from when Jesus was born. Y'all remember that story? We just came out of Christmas. Hope you, somebody read that to you or you read it or you heard it. That Herod was when they, no, everybody under two because he heard the king of the Jews was born. So he wanted to kill. Y'all track and say amen. All right. I know y'all get good Bible teaching here. So um, that's not that Herod, but this is that Herod's grandson. Y'all tracking with me so far. And, and all the Herods, they're all crazy. All of them. They're like crazy, geniuses in some way, but they're crazy at the same time because they all want, like, they're all trying to kill people at different times. Are y'all with me? Like, Herod, the grandfather killed, the great grandfather killed, the great grandson. I mean, just crazy. They're trying to kill people. And so this is what's happened, and here's why it's happened it's because Herod is the current king. All right? And he's over all the Jews, but he's not really a Jew. He's born into a He's married into Jewish, but he's not, he wasn't born that way. And so he's a little bit of an illegitimate king. Are y'all tracking with me so far? And so he's doing whatever he can to curry favor with the Jews. 
He'll do whatever he can to earn their favor and, and for them to like him. And so they killed James. And the text tells us that the Jews were pretty happy about that because this new thing called the church, this fledgling movement, they're trying to get leaders in place and it's exploding on the scene. It's not like a slow takeoff, like Peter gets up and preaches, you know, the message of the gospel and 3,000 people get saved in one day and they're all of a sudden like, all right, we got to get some leaders and structures and systems and, and the nursery's going crazy and the park, I mean, we don't know where to park all the camels. Somebody get a team out there and are y'all find like, we don't, I mean, social media team, where are they at? We need some video clips of Peter telling them all the Jews that they killed the son of God. Like it was, you know, really, Peter get canceled on social and I mean, it was just crazy. Are y'all following me? And so they killed James, and they liked that, so he's like, I'll go after another leader. So he arrests Peter. And he arrests him during the week of Passover, and so he wouldn't do anything with him during that. But now where we come into verse 5, the next morning he's about to go to trial. It'll probably be a kangaroo court, and most likely Peter's headed towards the same fate as James. He's going to die. Are y'all tracking so far? And the Bible says that Peter's in prison, but... The church is earnestly praying to God for him. This phrase is fascinating to me. I've, I've been kind of thinking and marinated on this for a while. That Peter's in prison, but the church is praying earnestly for him. If, if, if we're real honest, if, if whatever the prison is, in that, using that as a metaphor for our life, whatever the hard thing we face, often the sentence would be, we faced X, Y, and Z, and the next word would be and, not but. And we're depressed, and anxiety has filled our heart, and we don't know how we're gonna get out of this, and, and whatever the phrase is, but, but the Bible says that Peter's in prison, that, that the church is facing a setback, that James has died, Peter's in prison. They're in a crisis moment. They're, they're, they're being attacked in a great way, but the church is praying. The, the word but there is a conjunction. I know some of you, you're much smarter at English. I grew up in Tennessee. I speak fluent hillbilly and English a little bit. The word but is a conjunction, and a conjunction is showing contrast. I would go as far as to say it's in this text showing contradiction. Contradiction to what should be. That Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. It's not the normal thing that you would think that, that I've got a diagnosis, but no, it would be I got a diagnosis and I'm really worried about it. Or, or my kid has walked away from God and I'm stressing over that. I've, and I got some things going on at work and I'm, I'm dealing with this. But, but the church was a walking contradiction in this moment. Peter is in prison, but the church is praying earnestly to God. Here's what I want to encourage you in this year, that you would be a walking contradiction. Not in the sense of, of being hypocritical, but in the sense of the year hasn't started out the way that I want it to, but I know I serve a God who's got good plans for me and their plans to prosper me and not to harm me. That, that I'm feeling overwhelmed by the current circumstance, but 
I know the peace of God that passes all understanding will fill my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I've got a concerning diagnosis, but bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, that he spared me out of the pit, that he heals all of my diseases. I want to encourage you to be a walking contradiction, a walking contrast, that when people look at your life, they go, I know what you're walking through, but what you're saying and the way you're living doesn't line up with the despair that you should be in you're contradicting it he said that Peter was in prison but the church was praying and it says the church was praying earnestly the word earnestly means that that they were they were leaning into it that that it was a passionate praying are y'all with me say amen and it wasn't, it wasn't the, the last thing they went to. How many times have you ever heard somebody say, well, I guess all we have left to do is pray? I've said it. I'm thinking, maybe that should be the first thing that I did. Are you with me? And it said they were praying earnestly for him. It wasn't their last resort. It was their first. It, it wasn't, it, the, the, their go-to wasn't worry. The go-to wasn't like, you know, Facebook about it and Lord help us and, It wasn't go tell everybody and their mom and them, are you following me? The first thing that they did is they went to prayer and the Bible says they prayed earnestly. There's one other time where Luke, the author of Acts, also the author of the Gospel of Luke, there's one other time where he uses this particular Greek word and it is to describe how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whenever great drops of blood fell from his head, it wasn't just a nice little, well, if you want to thank you, maybe. No, it was, there was a passion to it. There was a, a lean into it. There was something about it that was like, God, if you don't move, I'm, I'm not getting, it was like a Jacob. I'm not letting go of you until you do something in my life, until you turn around something. I would say it this way. If you want what you've been getting, then keep doing what you've been doing. But if you don't like what you've been getting, then maybe you should adjust something and go, God, I'm going to lean in, God. I'm not getting up, God. I'm not letting up until you give me a breakthrough in my life. There was an earnestness about their prayers. It it wasn't a a little, nice little, cute little prayer. Y'all following me? It was a battle prayer. There was something about this church that said, no, no, we believe prayer is powerful. We believe prayer is effective. We believe that prayer moves and changes things. Uh, uh, prayer doesn't change the nature of God, but God does respond to our prayers. They lean in. They went to war in prayer. Can I tell you something? There's power when a church prays. There's pow- I said there's power when a church prays. Like God moves when his church prays. When his people call out to him and cry out to them. The Bible says that he hears his arm is not too short. That he can't reach into your situation. Nor is his ear deaf that he doesn't hear the cries of his people. That God responds and God moves whenever his church prays. There's power when he prays. We don't just sing this is a house of miracles because it's a cute little song. And Brandon's a great songwriter. Are you following me? It's because God moves when his people pray that God does still heal bodies and God does still restore marriages and God does still break addictions and he's looking for faith in the earth and it could be the size of a mustard seed but he's looking for someone that goes no I will earnestly pray until someone gets out of prison and he prayed and it was earnest and it was passionate 
And it wasn't based on personality, it was based on desperation. I'm afraid too much in the church we base our response to God and we give it the excuse of our personality. Well, I'm kind of introverted. You wouldn't be introverted if somebody come after your child. All of a sudden, you'd be extroverted. Tampa beats Dallas Monday night. You'll be extroverted. Your pastor will be in tears. Why? Because in that moment, personality doesn't matter. Passion matters. And when you get hungry enough for something, passion will kick in. And you will go to earnestly praying. The Bible says Peter was in prison, but the church was praying. And you know what prayer does? It does a whole lot of things, but one thing that I think it does is it brings my heart into alignment and agreement with the heart of God. Matthew 18 tells us that there's power in agreement. There's power when, when, when two people come into agreement. It says if any two come into agreement, in other words, they come around the same opinion that God's there and God hears them and God will answer your prayer. There's power in agreement. There's power whenever I come into it. There's power when I begin to pray the word of God and say, God, God, I, I, your word tells me that if I'll cast all my cares on you, that you, you care about me. And there's power whenever it says that, that through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God. God, I'm praying the peace of God that passes understanding. Fill my heart and mind, not this anxiety I'm feeling, not this overwhelmness that I'm feeling, but the peace of God. God, I just, I lost the job and I don't know what the coming next and where, but I know you have good plans for me. They're to prosper me. It gets my heart into alignment with what God has said. Are you following me? And there is power in agreement. But here's the problem. Too many of us have come into agreement with things that are not true. We've come into agreement with things that are not true. Some of you, you've come into agreement and you've taken on the opinion of what the world has to tell you. You've taken on the opinion of what someone spoke over you, what your ex said about you, what, what somebody back in your life said about you, what a dysfunctional parent said over your life. You've come into agreement and now you've taken that on. And here's how I know is because I hear in our culture, we use words like my, my anxiety. Who told you that was yours? Who told you you had to own that? Who told you you had to come into agreement with that? Who told you that? My this, my that. And we begin to own these things that are not what the scripture tells us, our inheritance as children of God. And so we come, and here's my challenge to you today, is that you would begin in this year to break some of those agreements you've made, some things that you've come into agreement and said, no, I'm going to pull on that opinion. And you would begin to go, no, I'm going to line up with the opinion of what God has to say. I'm going to pray in agreement with God because there is power when I come into agreement with God and I begin to pray the word of God. I come in alignment with God and I end up in the will of God. You want to know if you're going in the direction of God this year? Get into agreement with what God says. If you're with me, say amen. You need to break some agreements. You need to break some things in your life that are where you've come into it, where you've been, somebody spoke something over your life and you're like, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's not what God says about you. God says you're loved. God says you're accepted. God says... Your purpose, God says, he, he, you're his workmanship. He's got a purpose, a design, something for you to do. Now I'm going to come into agreement with what God says about me. Prayer is powerful. But here's the deal. Is that, is that the church never would have needed to pray 
in this way if Peter hadn't been in prison. So it was the pain of prison that actually gave the church purpose to pray. I, it would be awesome to tell you, 23 is going to be the year, roses and sunflowers and daisies. And I'd love to preach that message. It's the year of everything's going to be great. I don't know that. You may have some prison moments. But here's what I do know, is that those moments create a faith in you that you would not have if you did not walk through that moment. Are you with me? I'm not saying God's putting you in prison and God sent, no. But I'm saying God has a way of leveraging the struggles in our life. God has a way of leveraging the challenging moments in our life to take us. I imagine this New Testament church, they prayed, they had a faith in a level that they never had after that. That they believed God in a level that they never had. And God is constantly wanting to grow you from victory to victory and glory to glory. God is wanting to conform you to the image of his son. So because he is more concerned about your conformity to the image of his son than he is your comfort, then he will leverage the challenging moments in your life and go, okay, I can use this. I can use this for my glory. I can use this for your growth. But a lot of times we go, God, use me. God, do something in my life. I got good plans. It'd be the best year, the most blessed year of my life. And then challenge hits us. And we're like, God, where are you? And God going, no, I'm right here with you. Like I'm in the prison with you. And I'm going to use this for my glory. And I'm going to use it for your good. And I'm going to grow something in you and develop something in you through this if you won't eject in the middle of it. Because it was the pain of prison that caused them to pray. It was the pressure of the moment. And can I tell you something? Pressure will show what is really on the inside of us. Like you don't squeeze an orange and you're not surprised when orange juice comes out of that. Right? You, you, don't, you don't squeeze it and go, well, look at there. I was expecting pineapple juice. <laughs> now you don't do that. Why? Because from an orange, you expect to get orange juice. And when the pressure is on, what's on the inside comes out. Can I tell you something? When the pressure is on of our life, what is on the inside of us really comes out. It's an opportunity for God to grow something in us. Pressure really proves. Whenever the church was under pressure, what they do, they prayed. They didn't, go, they didn't try to network. They didn't try to pay the Peter's way out. They didn't try to go to government officials and say, can you work some kind of backroom deal and get Peter out of prison? No, they went to God and they went to prayer. And they prayed to God for Peter. Can I just as a side note say to you that some of us, we go to everybody else that cannot solve our problem and we don't end up going to the one who can give a solution to our problem. Make this the year that you decide I'm going to God first. I'm going to go to prayer first. I'm going to go to seeking God first. The church was under great pressure. But I also want you to notice that Peter was under great pressure. Listen to what the, the text goes on to tell us. It says, you guys good? You with me? Both of you, that's great. It says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So he's got, he's got a lot of guards around him. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. This is so good. 
And then the angel of the Lord said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Now, Peter wasn't naked. They, they had like outer garments, inner garments, kind of like when Peter was in the boat. And anyways, just trust me, he wasn't sleeping naked between two men. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him and Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. You ever been in that place like in between sleep and wake? You know what I mean? All the parents, that's, what, that's, that's how you feel when your kids come in at three in the morning and they look like an ax murderer standing beside you. Because <laughs> they walk to the side of your bed and go. <laughs> You're like, what is, what is wrong with you, you psychopath? What are you... <laughs> Am I the only one? It's so scary. I don't need horror films. I have toddlers. I'm rebuking it, casting demons out. Then I'm like, oh, Abigail, sorry, baby. <laughs> She's got that hair, like, anyways, like she just climbed out of a TV. All you heathens that know that movie, be the first on the altar tonight kidding so he didn't know it was really happening and he thought he was seeing a vision and they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city and it opened for them by itself and they went through it and when he had walked the length of the one street the angel left him and um he's like angel's like all right i got you far enough i'm leaving going back to heaven so think about this peter's in prison He's about to be most likely killed the next morning. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't even really have any way of knowing the church is praying. He maybe can assume that that's what they're doing, but no text message, no direct message to send, no, you know, no carrier pigeon. I mean, like, he has no way to know what's happening. And he's chained between two prison guards, and he's sleeping. I wonder, I wonder if you ever felt that in life. The church is under pressure because Peter's in prison. Peter's under pressure because he's chained between two guards. Have you ever felt like that, that life isn't as easy as A or B? It's like not as easy as right or wrong. I think sometimes we want to sanitize, like, can we be real, like, Christians, we want to sanitize this, like, Lord's will or not, and it's like, no, like, I'm dealing with hurt, and I'm dealing with betrayal, and I'm dealing with joy because this situation is good and are anybody is this too real like it's layered it's not always so simple and cut and dry and and it's like I'm, I'm chained between it's not just rock and hard place it's despair and it's anxiety it's it's hurt and it's betrayal it's pain and it's trauma from something from my I've never dealt with and it's like I'm chained in between and here's what happens in those moments you either get better or you get paralyzed when the pressure comes on us, we either get better, we either grow out of it and grow through it, or we get paralyzed in it and we get stuck in it. Not, not, not like physically paralyzed where we can't get up and move around. No, we go about our day and we go about our things, but we are internally paralyzed in the middle of it. And some of us, this is what the past few years have done to us. It's paralyzed us. We, we're in 2023, but we're still stuck in March of 2020 because something got paralyzed inside of us. And the pressure is on. And here's what Peter is doing in the middle of it. He's sleeping, everybody. No NyQuil. No Xanax. You all with me? 
No glass, no, 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 no assistance, no substance. Peter is sleeping in between. Peter may get killed the next morning, everybody. Think about this. And he's sleeping in between two guards. He's not up stressed. He's not up worrying. He's not losing sleep. He's not taking gummies to go to bed. Like he is sleeping in between two guards, chained with two more guards on the outside, most likely going to be murdered the next day. And he is asleep. How is he able to sleep in that situation? I think it's this. I think Peter knew that the same God that was in his today is the same God that was already in his tomorrow. And so why lose sleep tonight when the God that has sustained me today is already in all my tomorrows and if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he's already in my tomorrow and that means he's already good there, he's already powerful there, he's already in control there, he's already sovereign there, so why should I lose sleep tonight? And some of you, you are literally losing sleep. You're literally up at two, between two and five in the morning and you can't sleep and your mind is racing and you're stressed and anxiety and you're dealing with all these kind of things and I just want to tell you that when the pressure is on and the church is praying that you can sleep in the middle of it you can have a peace that passes understanding that will fill your heart and your mind in Christ and it is supernatural and it doesn't make sense and you should be out of your mind they should put you in the loony bin but there is the divine enablement that comes from heaven that allows you to be sustained in the middle of of craziness and chaos around you because just because there is chaos around you doesn't mean it has to get in you Peter's sleeping in the middle of it can I tell you something the same God that is with you today is already in all your tomorrows and the same God that's in control today is the same God that's in control tomorrow and the same God that got you out of that thing and brought you through and delivered you and sustained you as you walk through it is the same God that is in it's the same God that is he's already he's already at nine o'clock tonight he's waiting for you to get there are y'all are y'all with me he's already in your next week he's already in a year from now so why are you fretting about what could be and may and he's already there the church was praying to God for him because there's power when the church prays you can sleep chained in a prison when the church is praying I love this next part of the text it says, uh, I won't read it for time's sake, but you can read it. But trust me, I'm not lying to you. It says Peter got out and he decided, I'm going to go to the house where everybody's at. Like it was a, a, most scholars believe it was a regular gathering place. Like he would have known if they're all together, this is where they are. And so he went to the house and um, I'm going to ask the worship team, come help me. You know, the Holy Spirit shows up once the keyboard starts playing, right? Somebody go get him off his smoke break. Tell him it's time to get back in. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll have to get him a gift card or something for ragging on him. They're all putting them out back there, coming in. 
I'm joking. I must, I must stay off that joke. That's not nice. But it says that Peter went to the house and he knocked on the door. And the servant girl, Rhoda, was on the, outs- on the inside of the door. And she heard Peter's voice. So he must have knocked and said, hey, let me in. Or we don't know what he said, but he, he said something. And, and she didn't open the door because she was so shocked that it was Peter out of prison. So she runs into this group of people of great faith. I, I love how real the Bible is. Because I think we probably picture this church earnestly praying that they're people of great faith and they're praying down fire from heaven and all this kind of stuff. And we're just like, I could never be that. But no, they were a group of people that were earnestly praying to God. And whenever their answer showed up knocking on the door, they said to the servant girl, you've lost your mind. There's no way Peter is here. Now God deliver Peter out of the (laughs) prison. And they told her to go back and they said it must be a ghost. And the reason they said a ghost, I read one scholar who said that the Jewish people believed and in that time they believed that, um, that after someone died, they're, they're, there's two options. One, that, that like their spirit remained for a little bit and that's probably what she was experiencing. Or they also believed they had like a guardian angel and that angel would remain a little bit after their death. So basically what they were telling her was he's already dead. There's no way he's even alive. He must be dead and this must be the sign and it's over. Are you following me? And Peter's still going. And they they finally let him in and he tells the whole story. Here's what I want you to notice as we wrap up. Peter didn't escape prison. Peter was delivered from prison. There's a big difference in the two. He didn't escape. He was delivered. Escaping would have been Peter planning something, plotting something, paying off some guards, slipping a, you know, bobby pin up his sleeve. Uh, I'm just, all the good movies I've seen. Undoing the cuffs. Are y'all, are y'all following me? Like, and then creeping out real slow and, and working with, the, have somebody on the inside. That would have been escaping. And that would have been Peter's doing. And a lot of times... We manipulate our way to what we want and we call it God. And that's why it doesn't last. Because we escape. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to do this. I can buy my way. I got enough money. I got enough network. I got enough connections. I'm going to do all these kind of things. That's escaping. What happened to Peter is Peter was delivered. And whenever God delivers you, the chains will fall off and the doors will open for you without you picking a lock and you'll walk right out of the prison whenever God delivers you. And I just want to encourage you that some of you, you're trying your hardest and you're trying to escape. But if you can get yourself out, you can get yourself back in. But whenever God delivers you and God brings you out, it is a done deal. So he he didn't escape, he was delivered. Some of you need to be delivered. You need a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to go, God, God, you do it. And can I tell you something? When the church prays, God hears and God delivers. And here's the hard part of it all. Are y'all still with me? Let me give you this one last thought. 
Here's the hard part, because some of us, we go, I've gone through a season of prayer. I've fasted. I've prayed. I came to Revival Nights last year, and, and I didn't see anything turning or moving. And the thing is, is that, one, we expect God to work in our time. We expect a God that is outside of time to work within our time. Problem one. But problem two is this, is that just because God isn't talking back to you doesn't mean that God isn't talking to your deliverer. The church was praying. Peter's knocking. Why don't they believe it? Why aren't they getting up and answer the door? Why aren't their great faith? Because God hasn't told them. God wasn't told. No, they were just praying and they were earnestly praying and they were faithfully praying and they were leaning in in their prayer and they were asking God, will you move in a great way in our life? And they were praying and God wasn't going, I got you. I heard you. I'm about to get an angel. I just dispatched someone. I was like, Gabriel, get one of the best. Send him out there. Let's get this thing right. I didn't. The church didn't know any of that. But God was moving on their behalf at the same time. Are you following me? And can I tell you something? That God is not a respecter of person. And God is always true to his word. And so if he says when we cry out to him that he hears us and he responds to our prayer, I promise you that you may not be able to see it, but God is working on your behalf. Whenever Israel, after all these years of slavery in Egypt, what they do, the Bible says they cried out to God for a deliverer. Did God talk to Israel? No, he talked to Moses. And Moses came in and he delivered the people out. I just want to encourage you that just because God isn't talking to you doesn't mean that God isn't talking to your deliverer because the same God that got Peter out of prison is the same God that delivered the nation of Israel, is the same God that parted the Red Sea, is the same God that took down a giant with a smooth stone and a little teenage boy, is the same God that sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world to be buried in a tomb and then to rise from dead three days later proving that he is who he said he was the son of God to take away the power take away the sins of the world that same God is at work in your life today and when you pray he hears and he delivers when you pray he hears and he delivers. When the pressure's on and you go, I'm gonna pray, he hears and he delivers. And when you're chained between two guards and you pray, he hears and he delivers. And when you pray, you come into agreement with his word and he's a man of his word and he hears. He delivers. Do you get what I'm trying to tell you tonight? When you pray, He hears and He delivers. Will you stand with me all over the room? I don't know what your current need is right now, but I know we serve a God that when we pray, He hears and he delivers. So I wanna take a moment to pray for you and for us as a church to pray and to believe God. Not just nice words, are y'all following me? Like earnestly pray. Not like God if you want to, 
No, God, I'm taking you at your word. I'm coming to agreement with your word. I'm going to stand on your word in faith. I'm going to, I'm going to believe you to do what you said you'll do. And just because you, you may not hear God say anything to you tonight, it don't mean that God isn't dispatching the answer. It doesn't mean it's not on its way. Just because he doesn't talk to you doesn't mean he's not talking to your answer. Doesn't mean he's not talking to your deliverer. So I want to pray for you tonight. And here's what I ask you to do. And I know this is un, not normal from a Sunday morning, but this ain't Sunday morning, everybody. It's a revival night. And we're asking God to do special things in this season. And so if you have a need, and no need is too great and no need is too small, but you have a need, you're like, this word was for me. I've got something going on in my life. I need the church praying. I need the church earnestly seeking God. I need God to intervene. I need a deliverer to walk in and walk me out of this situation. I can't pay my way out. I can't network my way out. I can't manipulate my way out. I can't move situation. I need God. I need divine move of God. I need God to move in my life. I need God to move in my family. I need God to move in my child. I need God to move in this circumstance. If that's you, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna wait forever. And this isn't, you know, 12 invitations until everybody, it's none of that. But if that's you, you get, just come forward. I just wanna pray for you. The church is gonna pray. If that's you, you just come forward, hurry. You know it. You know, if there's something going on in your life, you need God to move in a special way. Just make your way forward. Come on, come on. We sing House of Miracles as they make their way down. Come on down, fill in as much as you can. Here's what I'm gonna ask, the church is gonna pray. So staff, small group leaders, your leader in this church, you have spiritual maturity in this church. I want you to come down and gather around. We're gonna pray, we're gonna earnestly seek God and ask God to move and believe that he will. Come on, if you're a leader in this church, just come around, put your hand on the shoulder of somebody. Let them know they're not alone. Let them know somebody's with them. Come on, church. Won't you lift your hands to heaven, everyone in the room, and just begin to intercede on their behalf. Begin to earnestly pray for them. Pray for them like you would want someone praying for you. If you were walking through something, if you were dealing with a family issue, a diagnosis, if, if someone was attacking your child, if if it was your family that needed the miracle, if, if it was your own body that needed the breakthrough, pray for them like you would want somebody praying for you. Come on, lift your voice. I know this may stretch you. This is what this night's for. Get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Come on, lift your voice and pray. Let's believe God that when the church prays, miracles happen. When the church prays, deliverance takes place. There's freedom when the church is praying. Oh, come on, keep leaning in.